Jordanian pilot was forced to ditch his F-16 after a bombing run over Raqqa. He was captured by ISIS, and that human story suddenly became the narrative of the campaign. Welcome to Stratfor's Pen and Sword podcast. I'm Fred Burton. Today I'm speaking to Samuel Katz, the author of No Shadows in the Desert, Murder, Vengeance, and Espionage in the War Against ISIS. Sam, how are you holding up there in New York City? We are surviving the coronavirus um, onslaught. Um, Our governor said today that it'll probably get much worse before it gets better. Um, But being sequestered, um, it's very difficult to know what's really going on out there. Yeah, tell me about it. We're seeing the same things down here in good old Texas. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about No Shadows in the Desert. By the way, that's a fabulous title. Thank you very much. When you looked at the book, Sam, and you started piecing this together, I know it's got a horrific ending, but tell me a little bit about why you wanted to do this book. Well, as you know, um, better than most, um, one of the things that I've really enjoyed doing in my career is writing about people who have to work twice as hard for half the credit. And in the overall um, global war on terror, one of the um, one of the real heroes, one of the real um, pillars of the global effort has been. Um, um, Jordan, and in particular the work of their intelligence service, the GID. And I wanted to find a story that could highlight that from several perspectives. One perspective um, being um, how an Arab intelligence service works. Um, what are the things that make it similar and different to a Western service? And to also humanize the fact that um, in the war on terror, um, in most cases, the victims um, are are Arabs and Muslims um, themselves, and that their role in fighting to reclaim um, faith that has been hijacked from them um, has, um, you know, has really gone untold. Sam, I know that you had unprecedented access to the Jordanian GID and putting this story together, as well as to the king. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes, I've um, been working in Jordan, covering um, Jordan's military and primarily its special forces and its counter-terrorist units since 1995. And... um, well, it's painful to realize that that's already over 25 years and we're not getting any younger. Um, the role of counterterrorism in the kingdom has changed. Beginning when I started, um, King Hussein was the monarch. Um, enemies were still um, offshoots of the Arab-Israeli dispute. Um, radical groups, um, radical groups, rad- radical Palestinian groups that wanted to um, dismantle the kingdom and other groups like Hezbollah. Um, Over time, of course, 9-11 occurred, and it really realigned um, the way 
many Middle Eastern nations view terrorism and counterterrorism. And because of its um, really unique and one would say horrible location um, of real estate, um, Jordan always finds itself on the front lines. When your, your neighbors are Saudi Arabia, Iraq, Syria, and Israel, um, you have conflict all around you. And your job is not only to protect what's internal, you're a buffer for things that happen um, beyond your frontiers. Sam, in your book, what is the single biggest factor that you would like your readers to take away from this story? Well, that's a difficult question because there are several. What I tried to do in, in, in the book was to recreate an honest depiction of how ISIS emerged and more, um, more to the point, how surprised everyone. And that surprise created miscues. And that surprise ultimately, though, created a very effective coalition to try and dismantle ISIS um, in a war that was going on between, um, you name it, um, they were there in the Syrian civil war. And what happened early on in the coalition, in this international um, gathering that um, included um, NATO, other countries, um, Arab nations, Jordan and the UAE, was that on Christmas Eve 2014, a Jordanian pilot was forced to ditch his F-16 after a bombing run over Raqqa. And he was captured by ISIS. And that human story suddenly became the narrative of the campaign. And when ISIS was determined to make an example of him, in a, in a horrifically cruel and barbaric propaganda effort, the opportunity existed for the coalition to come apart. Nations were very nervous about sending their airmen into harm's way, um, because if they were going to be treated like that, the collateral damage politically for these nations participating in the coalition was incredibly serious. And the King of Jordan decided angrily, this was the time to make a stand. And when the, when the, um, the video of the pilot's emulation was released on Twitter on February 3rd, 2015, the King happened to have been in the States and he decided that he was going to make ISIS pay, eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. Um, and everyone who was responsible for the decision-making process that led to the pilot's murder would pay the ultimate price. And that in itself ultimately targeted the very top leadership of ISIS. And by going after these people in an intelligence campaign that was conducted um, with the support of um, the UN intelligence community and the coalition, a war against the um, the caliphate was hastened and, and victory came sooner rather than later. We'll get right back to Sam Katz and his new book in a moment. I cut away here to speak to you, our podcast listener. Never before has the world faced what it's facing now. I worked in counterterrorism for many years and I've been intelligence forecasting and security for many more. I have to know what's happening before it happens. That's why I read Stratfor Worldview every day. 
I read it to understand what's going on, why it matters, and what's going to happen next. That's the critical thing. What happens next? Worldview helps you understand the why behind what's happening now. Because what happens next, well, that's up to you. Stratfor delivers intelligence, period. And with everything going on right now, it's time for intelligence. I encourage you to subscribe today. Visit worldview.stratfor.com slash subscribe. There's a special offer for podcast listeners. Thanks. Well, Sam, uh, as you and I both know, having worked on many stories of a similar vein over the years and just my time as a counterterrorism agent, some things simply need to be done. And I applaud the king for, for his actions. And now I don't want to give away the, the story, but the GID did hunt down those individuals responsible for this horrific act, correct? Yes. And I think one of the takeaways that you asked for, ultimately the book is about spies and the age old or um, since um, radios and intercepts were invented. The question, um, what's more effective, electronic and signal intelligence or human intelligence? The Jordanians don't have satellites and they don't have the means that the CIA and the NSA have. But what they have and what makes them so invaluable is human intelligence capabilities that are second to none. Obviously, they're on the front lines. Um, They have the um, cultural keys and the language capabilities. There's more to it than that. There is um, cultural sensitivities, tribal affiliations, and all sorts of things that would forever be denied to a CIA case officer that um, comes as second nature to the Jordanians. And they were able to use these special attributes and their knowledge of the terrain and being, being the boots on the ground to infiltrate ISIS and to know a lot more about the organization that satellite photos and electronic intercepts alone could ascertain. Sam, you and I know the importance of the Jordanian GID to the U.S. intelligence community. Talk a little bit about how critical that relationship is. It's a partnership that some, such as David Ignatius from the Washington Post, labels America's closest intelligence ally in the Middle East, um, the GID. While the relationship isn't quite as intimate as the Five Eyes setup that exists between the um, the U.S., Canada, Britain, Australia, New Zealand, the Jordanians um, have provided the Western Intelligence Service with intimate eyes on target, ears on target, human intelligence about what's happening in Syria, what's happening in Iraq, and um, it's safe to say in other parts of the Arab world where Western intelligence in many cases can be skewed for political purposes or because of the um, limitations of electronic and signal intelligence. What was the one thing that you learned in putting together this story that truly surprised you, Sam? The one thing that surprised me that I was very, very impressed with was the very humble persona that the spy handlers, the spy masters, um, possessed. I interviewed um, a very large number of intelligence officers who worked the Syria and the Iraq desks and the ISIS desks. 
they they did incredible work that only they could do. I mean, it would be very difficult in many cases where they went in markets and in inside um, mosques and, and other places to send um, someone who had completed a year of Arabic at Langley to go in and to act as if they were one of the locals. They were able to recruit people, much less with, you know, the Hollywood image of um, do this or, you know, bad things will happen to you. They were able to appeal to people on tribal levels that this was long-term better for the clan and that cooperation here meant something and that it was important for the future generations. That ability to appeal on a human level um, and to attract assets and to trust assets and to be able to um, review files of individuals and to make sure that they could be trusted, you know, is, is a great attribute to an intelligence service. The GID in Western Harrisons is very, very small. It's an intimate group. It's not a large corporation that exists here with 20 or 30,000 employees. Individuals know one another. They know their capabilities. And the workload and the pressure is enormous because the GID is not only an external intelligence organization. It's an internal organization. And there are always um, many individuals in the region, many nations and many non-nation players, who would love nothing more than to undermine Jordanian stability and to threaten the kingdom, the kingdom being an ally of the United States. In a recent interview to the New York Times or to um, some setting, it was quoted in the Times, King Abdullah basically said that, um, you know, ISIS doesn't really worry him. What worries him is the large number of Jordanians who are unemployed. You know, the economy is not great. Certainly, um, certain to say that with tourist season coming along, Coronavirus won't help the Jordanian economy um, in any way, shape, or form. And those things threaten the kingdom, and those are things that the GID also has to deal with. So for a very small organization to be able to punch above its weight and to sit at the high table, that Jean Le Carré always said about the, the big services, the agencies um, from the U.S. and Britain, is a really unique um, statement about the human component that they bring to bear um, in the intelligence arena. Sam, how do they go about picking their intelligence officers? I know from just my experience, you know, the um, selection process, it takes about a year to get hired and you go through exhaustive background checks and so forth. Did you have a window into how the Jordanians go about selecting their personnel? Yes. Most come from the military. They serve in the military. Many come from the special forces. Um, there is a large percentage of personnel in the GID who come from the minorities. The minorities being people of Circassian and Chechen background. Oh, that's interesting. That came to what's now Jordan hundreds of years ago to escape oppression from the Russian czars. And they are, um, in many ways, the backbone of the um, security services. That and, of course, the Bedouins who are very prominent in everything, um, the Bedouin tribes who are very prominent in everything um, related to the security of, of the country. People that have um, the ability to learn, 
understand, to observe, and to not rush into action. Obviously, those that are preferred, people who um, have gone on for um, college degrees and who can speak languages other than Arabic. But one of the things, because it's, it's a much less technical arena for intelligence gathering than maybe one of the Western agencies and more on the human side, the ability to um, establish relationships is something that's very um, sought after. And much of this is done through mentoring, where a new intelligence officer would be paired with an older um, veteran personnel. He could learn from somebody who's kind of at the tail end of his career or at the height of the career, so that by the time he's at the tail end, protege will already be in the position to be um, of command. That's almost like an apprenticeship kind of program. Yes, it's old world and old school. And do they have intelligence officers posted overseas at various embassies like Washington and London? That we didn't discuss. The focus was um, the operations um, going on with um, the war against ISIS. Although the liaisons between um, his services are strong, so I'm sure that this is done at the level that all other countries do it. Jordan has become kind of a, um, if, if you're going to compare it to an airline, it's a hub. It's a place um, that's on the front lines no matter um, what conflict you're going after. So the, the number of people that come in and out um, from overseas into Jordan is large. And the Jordanians also host uh, numerous training events and other symposiums dedicated to counterterrorism and special operations. So their um, smartphones are filled with contacts of people that they can summon and that can be um, summoned officially and unofficially. Most certainly their intelligence is part of our <laughs> eyes and ears into that part of the world. I I thank you so much, Sam. Uh, this is going to be a great book. I know that. Now, if people want to pre-order, where do they go? How do they get their hands on? Any of the major booksellers um, will have it. Um, they can go directly to the website um, for HarperCollins. The book is being published by Hanover Square Press, which is an imprint of HarperCollins. Um, it should be available everywhere. And um, I hope that people find it interesting. I would have to say this. You did hit a home run with this. Uh, Samuel Katz's new book is No Shadows in the Desert, Murder, Vengeance, and Espionage in the War Against ISIS. Please check it out and check out all of Stratfor's Pen and Sword podcasts at worldview.stratfor.com. While you're there, consider subscribing. In these times, everyone needs a trusted source to rely on. And Stratfor is here to help. I'm Fred Burton, and thanks for listening.